you doing this morning? Hungry. <laughs> hey, like I said, I really want to encourage you, never, never, never draw back and settle for second best. Never draw back and just settle for um, just what you're used to living, being, living like. And I really do believe that God is on the move. God has spoken to us as a church. But when God speaks, it doesn't always mean things are just going to happen automatically. When God speaks, he demands a response from us. And when you, even standing still or remaining still, is still a response. But God wants us to uh, respond actively. God wants, to be, God wants us to be proactively. I believe right now is a time we cannot afford, you can't afford to uh, just go back into where God has brought you out from. And God has got so much more for us. God has got so much more for you. And I'm, pr I'm praying that this morning that God will just uh, speak into your heart this morning and, and shift something in your life. Shift something inside of you here. Shift something inside of you here. Why? Because I believe there, is, uh, there are so many people in our community today. They are desperate in need of a Savior. They don't want to hear just about God. They need to know that God is alive and, and His power is real. Friends, we had a demonstration of that in the conference. We want to keep that alive. My encouragement to you is this. It's not just for a select few just to operate in the gifts, but it's the gifts are given to the body of Christ. God's power is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to the body of Christ. He was given to you to flow through your life into the world around you. Let's not hold back. Let's not hold back. This morning, I want to, uh, I want to, I'm just going to bring a message to you that I really have felt on my heart for a little while, and uh, and uh, if you've got your Bibles, let's quickly turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. You brought a Bible with you this morning? Uh, we've got one up on the screen for you. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is where Jesus came, and uh, this, he, he, he announced his mission on earth. And uh, it's a powerful piece of scripture. And uh, when Pastor Mike and Joy and us as a family came to Hawke's Bay, this is the same scripture that uh, was, was birthed inside of their hearts when I came and picked up the church as the senior pastor. Uh, God also spoke to me about the same piece of scripture. And uh, today I want to bring it out, and we're just going to unpack it a little bit for you. This is where Jesus came, where Jesus came to the book of Isaiah. One of the things that we have been reading about is we have been reading uh, in the last been a while since I preached, but uh, when I was been preaching on Isaiah, and I was really just feeling the Lord speak to me afresh out of that again. And uh, he says, so Jesus came to the synagogue, and he opened up the book of, from the prophet Isaiah, and he found the place where it is written. Here he decrees his mission on earth. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the, heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Say that again, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, of the Lord. This was the mission of Jesus Christ and it rem still remains the mission of Jesus Christ. This mission has not changed. Until Jesus Christ comes again, this still remains his mission. It's not the full mission. He also goes on to, uh, to make disciples. But at this, at this point of time, I just want to emphasize on this. This mission is still remains the same. If it was the mission of Jesus Christ, it is, it is still the mission of the church. It is still our mission today. There are still people today that are still held and oppressed. They're still uh, brokenhearted. They're still held in captivity. The world is not short of people that are not held in captivity. 
There are people I know that they're held in actual chains. There are people I know today that they're held in, in various forms of captivity. I don't have to look very far to see that people are brokenhearted still. I don't have to look very far to see that people are, are needing of a savior. I don't have to look very far to see people who are tormented by spirits, demon spirits, who need deliverance. They don't need counseling. They don't need sympathy. They need deliverance. I know people in the church, they're still, they've come to Christ, but yet they're still in place of captivity. Friends, the mission of Jesus Christ is to bring the open up the eyes of the blind, not just the natural blind, but the spiritually blind, the emotionally blind, the people that are blind inside of the heart, people that have got no vision for their life, people that have got no sense of eternity, people who lives their lives just from one day to the next, but not knowing that their lives count for eternity. If you live your life just from one day to the next or one year to the next and not realize that your life counts for eternity, you are eternal being, then you remain spiritually blind even though you still may know Jesus. Friends, my encouragement to us today as a church is we've got to break out of a place of captivity, keep our eyes fixed on eternity because it's very easy just to still come to, come to Christ but to remain a captive. Very, very easy. And I'm going to unpack, unpack this a little bit for you today. There are people, still people today, in need of deliverance from bondage. The ministry of the church is to mend the broken, to heal the sick, to lift up the fallen, to strengthen the weak, to encourage the downhearted. Our mission is not simply to bring people to Jesus and leave them there. My job as a pastor is not just to bring you to Jesus and leave you there. It's part of it, but it's not the full picture. One of the main roles I have as a, as a pastor is to bring you into maturity, into Jesus Christ, which means to get inside of your heart, get into the place where your heart is broken, get into your place where you're in bondage, and get into the place where you're held in captivity and break you out of that. Break you out of that into what? My friends, God has got so much of a world in front of you for you to fill and to occupy Many people that are in captivity don't even know they're in captivity. People that are in bondage, for, have been in bondage for years, don't know they're in bondage until somebody shows them a different way. Until somebody shows them a different way of living. I know people that you've come in here and your life has been broken. You just didn't know what you didn't know. You didn't know that you're in captivity until somebody said there's a better way, there's a different way to live. And that is the point of Jesus Christ, is not come to just to forgive your sins, but to change your life here on earth and into eternity. You don't have to live the way that you're used to living. You can have a new way of living, a new way of relating. You can live your life with a, with a, with a sense of a, an eternal vision. Wow, what a life. What a life. I know people today, they've got no sense of eternity. The whole world is caught up and captive with things of the world and material things and no sense of eternity at all. What a life to live. But I know people, they may not have, they may have very little possessions, but my goodness, they've grasped a sense of the power of God. They have grasped a sense of eternity that their life has meaning. People that have got a lot of things, a lot of material possessions, but are captive. And those that have got barely anything but free. It's not either or. You can have material possessions and be free as well. God wants you just not to remain poor and brokenhearted for your whole life. God wants to bless you. God wants to see you blessed so that you can be a blessing. 
Come on. Somebody here this morning. God didn't just send his good Holy Spirit for us to have goosebumps, but to do something with it. Our mission is not just to bring people to Jesus and leave them there. Jesus commissioned us to make believers, to make disciples, discipline people who are disciplined their lives to follow Jesus Christ. People that will grow into maturity and faith and character and become leaders in their world. The church is not called just to be filled with broken-hearted people. Of course, broken-hearted people are welcome here, but like the song we were just singing, your grace has found me just as I am. And that is a thing that a lot of people uh, in the church today, yes, God accepts you and receives you just as you are, where you are, but that's only half of it. God doesn't expect you to stay where you are, how you are. If God, if you stay where you are, how you were for the rest of your life, even though you still come to Jesus, what good is that going to do? What testimony will that be? That's not being a, a light of the world when the church is full of broken-hearted people that know Jesus, that experience his power, but remain broken and broken-hearted and, emo- and emotionally, <laughs> emotionally broken down. What, that is not a city on a hill. A city on a hill is where people have come broken-hearted, but have received Jesus Christ, have, have, de- have dedicated their lives to follow him, allowed somebody to speak into and shape their lives and turn their lives around. And next thing you know, that's when they be- start becoming a city on a hill. A city on a hill is not broken people that have encountered Jesus and remain broken. <laughs> There's so many places in the church I see today, people that have received Jesus, received his presence, know his touch upon their life but yet remain in a place of captivity. And we wonder why we're not having the impact that we should. Friends, I don't know about you, but I have submitted my life unto somebody. The person I have submitted my life to to, has also submitted their life to somebody else who also has submitted their life to somebody else. Why? It's not just for the sake of I'm under somebody, but it's allowing somebody to discipline you, allowing somebody to get inside of your soul. Allowing somebody to get inside of there and chip away the attitudes, chip away the rebellion, get inside of there and make something beautiful and powerful out of your life. Don't be independent and rebellious just like a whole bunch of other Christians. Your life will flitter for a little while, but you won't stand the course of time. Oh, come on, somebody, I'm going to preach to somebody this morning. When Jesus in, in John chapter 4, 11 verse 43, that we read the story about Jesus and Lazarus. Lazarus died and everybody was sad. And so Jesus, even Jesus was sad. And he came to the tomb. Came to the tomb. Jesus looked into the tomb and he said, roll away the stone. Many of you know the story. I'm just going to really abbreviate it right now. So Jesus looked into that tomb and he spoke to Lazarus. And this is, a, this is a, a, an indication or a representation of salvation. When he looked into the tomb and, sl- and, 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 and spoke and decreed into Lazarus, Lazarus come forth, and you see, the Bible says that Lazarus came forth, but he was still bound from head to toe. Jesus isn't just leaving there. He said to other people, get your hands on his life. Get your hands around his head. Get the stuff off his head. He said to the pastors and said to the prophets and some cell group leaders, come on, guys, get on to him. He's bound up. He's got no vision in his life. Take those straps off his vision. Take these straps off here. He's got bands around his heart. He's all broken. He's all bound up. And get all that stuff off him. Get it off him. 
I don't want to see my man just walking like that. I'm happy that he's alive, but he's not fully alive yet. And this is where a lot of the church often hangs. They, we come to Christ and your grace has found me just as I am. Fantastic. And you're still bound up. You're still insecure. You're still emotionally broken. You're still troubled with demons. You're still narrow-minded. You still can't think in eternity. You're still caught up. You're still bound in grave clothes. You're still in a place of rebellion and independence. Fighting, isn't it? Speaks into the very core of who we are as a nation. Friends, God wants us, He will accept us as we are, but it is not His plan for you to stay as you are. Unfortunately, a lot of people they carry their own grave clothes, and just when somebody pulls the grave clothes off, the person gets their attitude, gets rid of their offense, somebody comes and dumps their offense on them. And we wonder why the church remains in a place of empowerment, disempowerment. For us as a church to come, for you to come into a place of empowerment, it takes somebody to, to get their life, get their hands upon your life, to, to get into your thinking, to get into your heart. And you may wriggle and jiggle and whinge and complain and whine and want to quit the church and shout and do all this sort of stuff, whatever you like. doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're here to love you. And now I have a responsibility as a pastor. It says in the scripture that I have a responsibility for your soul. My responsibility as a pastor is not just here to stand up and, and, and to preach, but it's to get into your soul. My, I am held account for your soul. I'm held account for your attitudes. I'm held account for you. <laughs> yeah, it's a big job. My heart is not just to leave you where you're at. My heart is to see, and I see so many people. I see so many of you. I see the potential that God has for you. I know you have encountered Jesus Christ, but for many of us, and even myself included, there's still parts of my life that remain in captivity. And I need somebody to get their hands upon my life. Help me to unpack that stuff, get that rid of that stuff. Don't you allow nobody to put no offense, their offenses back on you. Don't allow somebody to put their grave clothes back on you because they think that you look naked and vulnerable. They think, you think, they think that you need their clothes. No, you don't. You don't need their junk upon your life. So be listen, careful to what you come into an agreement with. Be careful who you come into an agreement with. Many people come to Christ but they remain in a place of captivity, they still are angry. <laughs> they're still insecure. They're still cynical. They're still mean. They're still easily offended. I can tell you how many Christians I can offend just like that. By golly. Hey, man, you need to tidy that up, tidy that attitude up, man. You're, what? How dare you speak into my life? Man, I was just trying to help you, man. Come on. This is how it works. If you want to grow, you've got to allow somebody to shape your life. You've got to allow somebody to get those grave clothes off you. You can't just come to Jesus and remain cynical. You can't profess that you know a supernatural God, but not demonstrate a actual belief in the supernatural. You actually believe that God can change and God can do miracles. You can't do that. You kind of can, but kind of not the same. 
I believe that God is bringing us into an hour where the church will arise in, in, in glory and power. God will, God will cause you to arise. I know people here, God has got a great plan upon your life. Don't let nobody put their captivity upon you. Don't you allow yourself to remain independent and, and just isolate yourself. It, it, there's no good for you. No good for you. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. The Bible says in Job chapter 17, verse 9, but the righteous keep moving forward. Those who are righteous, those who remain in a right standing with God, can, you just can't help but keep moving forward. And those with a pure heart and clean hands will go from strength to strength. They won't just remain at one level of strength. They won't just remain at just one point of the journey. They will keep moving forward. My encouragement to you is a, don't, get, don't get caught captive and what you consider normal right now. Don't let the now keep you captive. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward and growth. Keep allowing somebody to speak into your life. My dad is 71, 72 years old, 71 years old, and he's still putting himself onto somebody who is younger than him to allow him to speak into his life and to shape him. The righteous keep growing from strength to strength. The righteous keep moving forward. You're never too old to allow yourself to be spoken into. You're never too spiritually mature to allow yourself not to be spoken into. <laughs> My encouragement is you don't let yourself be held captive. Don't let your, don't remain stagnant inside of your life. Keep, there is so much more God has for you. There is so much more God has for us as a community. One of the things we find is... Um, uh, I just want to just come on to now, is the whole, whole idea of captivity. The more I started to think about it, the more I see how many people remain in captivity. And I've just been looking at the whole story of Daniel and Isaiah and that piece of passage of Scripture there, those, those, uh, those books of the Bible, they're all kind of written around the same era. You look at Ezra, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah, they're all kind of around the same era, and they all have a different experience. They're all talking and prophesying into a similar thing. So one of the things that I've come to realize is how much the church on one hand has met Jesus, but on the other hand remains in captivity. On one hand, we profess Jesus and we've experienced his, experienced his touch. We know about him. We even know the Bible. We even go to church, but you remain in captivity. When you remain, when you're in a place of captivity, you never ever fulfill the fullness of what God has for your life. I don't want to get to the end of my life. I don't want to even live my life and know that I've been in captivity or made a choice to remain there. The fact that somebody's telling me, the fact that there's somebody showing me that there's a better way, there's a different way, there's a better space for you to live in. There's a better space for you to bring your family up in. There's a better space for you to dwell in. There's a better space. You have your own space to dwell in. You are, the, the, the people of God were bought from a place of promise that, that God had for them. It was their land that God gave them still in contention to this day. God gave them their own land, but when they turned their backs on God, they knew God but turned their back on him. They got into a place of captivity. They got into a place of bondage. My dad moves around the world today, and I know people here that travel around and, and bring people, many people in churches, even many pastors, and preach about Jesus, but yet, on the other hand, they're still in bondage. Lift your hands up and genuinely love Jesus, but yet in their heart and their lives to still remain in a place of bondage. One of the things I know is uh, part of the New Zealand culture is we're incredibly independent. It has its merits, 
but it's also a place of captivity. It holds people captive far more than you could ever imagine. You look at it in the commerce world. I can see it in the commerce world. Businesses are often uh, constrained by the fact that they remain independent and won't allow somebody to speak. I know businesses that have gone under who have loved God, they've been generous, but yet remained in a place of independence and isolated, and they got held in captivity. I won't go into that right now, but whenever you start, as you start to see, you start to, as you start to look, you can start to see how much, how much people are remain in a place of captivity. And that, that's why Jesus' mission still remains the same today. For this reason, he's come to open up the eyes of the blind, give people in a sense of, etern- their, their, of eternal value, eternal perspective, give people a sense that their life counts for far much more than they think it is or have even been told that it is. Babylonian captivity of the church. I believe this is much of the body of Christ today is caught up in the Babylonian captivity. One of the things I notice is that captivity is different to bondage. Different to bondage. Jesus in that that piece of scripture in Luke 4.18, those who are held captive and those who are are oppressed or held in bondage. So it kind of says, almost like he says the same thing, but it's actually not. They're two different things. You'll find that the, the people of God were held in, uh, one, they were held in bondage by Egypt. Two, they were held in captivity in, in, uh, in Babylon. And then, and then there's another place too, which I'll, which I'll get into down the track. Not today, but um, one of the things you'll find is for many people, they either remain in a place of Egypt or remain in a place of captivity and bondage. So prior to Moses, prior to Moses Israel spent 400 years as, in bondage as slaves to Egypt. Bondage was that. It was bondage. In Egypt, even the word Egypt simply means mortz, it means mortsor, which means a place of limitation and confinement. So in Egypt, the, 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 the bondage of the people were, uh, they had taskmasters over them. They, had, they were in chains. They were beaten with whips, and they were, they were incredibly tormented. Their whole lives were completely narrow. They were told right down, to, it, was almost, must, it would have been worse than being in jail. You were told what to do, when to do it. That was the scope of their life. They were, their lives were dominated by taskmasters. The, the scope of their life was very, very, very narrow. And for many people, they live in that way today. They just don't always see it on the outside. Sometimes you do. You see some people today, they're broken people and they've got taskmasters over them. When people don't know Jesus Christ, they, they have... They're bound by addiction. I know people today, they're bound by, they're tormented by evil spirits. That picture of Israel under, under bondage, it's a picture of the spiritual condition that many people find them, uh, uh, found themselves in or are in today. Under bondage by harsh taskmasters. Life is so narrow, it's a bondage. People that are in bondage don't need your sympathy. People who are in bondage need deliverance. People who are in bondage need a savior. People who are in bondage don't need counseling as such. They need deliverance. They need a deliverer. His name is Jesus Christ. The same Jesus that lives within you. There will be people around you that are in bondage. Maybe you're here today and you're in bondage. You're emotionally broken. You're emotionally broken down. If you are tormented, you're, you, you need deliverance. 
People around you will need deliverance. His spirit is within you to bring that same mission to people. The other place he's, when I talk to people, I'm, and this is what I encourage you to do, is just be careful what you come into an agreement with. Because often people, when they come and they start to talk, we can hear their words, but one of the things the spirits will try and do is they will try and gain agreement. And the way people are held in bondage is by helping, getting other people to come into a place of agreement with them. So when somebody's offended, when somebody's in an offended state, and they start to put their offense on somebody else and get you to come into an agreement with that, what you do is you end up empowering that. Come into an agreement with that instead of delivering them. When somebody comes with their rejection, you may hear the words, but actually behind the words you can hear and feel the spirit of rejection. When you come into there, if you give them their sympathy, you come into an agreement with that. They don't need your sympathy. They need salvation. They need deliverance. Amen. When they, when, when they, when the exile, the, the, so the captivity was a different story. When the exiles of Judah were taken and kept into Babylon, they began a 70-year period of captivity. This is different. This time it was different. There was no taskmasters. There were no taskmasters in Babylon. They were, they were taken by force. They were taken into exile. But there were no taskmasters. The captivity was a completely different one. Totally different. It got to a point where uh, there were no chains. There were no whips. Many lived in homes, engaged in commerce. Many became very, very wealthy, but yet they were still in a place of exile. They were still in a place of captivity. People engaged in commerce. People started to interact with the community. People started to become part of the culture. So the people of Judah, the people of God started to, even though they're in, in, in isolation, even though they were in, in a place of exile, it was completely different than Egypt. It was more of a captivity of the mind. They could enter into commerce. Even people like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego got into places of government, got into places of prominence. But yet they were still exiles. They were still captives in a different land. They were still, they were still held in captivity. And you'll find in, in, when the people of God, they're in the cap- place of captivity, uh, many of them d- responded in different ways. One of the things we find is that uh, many became so Babylonianized, so people got caught up when they're in the culture that when King Cyrus the Great came and set them free, many didn't want to go home. Many did not want to go home. They become, there were no whips, there were no chains, there was no taskmasters, there were no oppressors. You know, still in a place of captivity. But then when they experienced liberty, when somebody finally came and said, you're free, you can go back to your land now. You can go back to the land that God promised you. You can go back to your own land. You can go back and rebuild the temple there. You can go back and do what God has for you to do. Many just remained there. And I started to meditate and started to think about this a lot. Many times, people come and they get set free. They get set free from bondage. They get set free from captivity. They've been freedom. You've got the freedom of choice now. When you had no choice, now you've got choice. What are you going to do with that? Do you want to live in this place as an exile? Or do you want to go back to your own land and forge your own country again? Rebuild your own country. Come back to the land that God has for you. One of the things that you find is that many people did not go back. Many came so caught up in the world of, of, of the Babylonian way of thinking 
They were free to go, but inside they remained a captive. One of the things they culturalized, they become so caught up with the, the predominant culture, they caught up the values, the mindsets of the, they enjoyed it so much. Some of them, in fact, most of them enjoyed the values and the culture so much that they didn't want to go home. So in one sense, they knew about God, they knew God, but in the other sense, they remained in captivity. On one hand, they knew about God, and God had already liberated them and said, here's your land, go back and fill it again. But on the other hand, they just chose not to. And this is why there's a, there's a term, it's called, even in the commercial, commercial world is this, it's called competing commitments. Competing commitments. And it's when good people want to grow but don't grow. When people, good people, want to grow but don't grow. When people want to move forward, well-meaning people want to move forward in life but don't move forward in life. When people want to move forward in God but actually don't move forward in God. They get held into a place of suspense. It's because of a term called competing commitments. It means you've got a commitment this way, but you've also got a commitment that way. You've got a commitment this way, yeah, I'm committed to loving God and and following him, but yet I'm also committed to the affections of my heart. I'm committed to relationships that I've built here. I'm committed to affections that my heart is connected to. I'm, connect, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to, uh, to soul ties. My soul, my soul is tied to a culture. My, tie, my soul is tied to a relationship. My soul is tied to a business. My, tie, my soul is tied to an injustice. My soul is tied to this. My, my soul is tied to a dream. My soul is, and when you get into a place like that where you're, where your energies are, are, are directed both ways, you find yourself remaining, neither going forward nor back. And you remain in a place of captivity and suspense. And that's where a lot of people live, competing commitments. You can't have priorities. You've got to have a priority. Priorities are a conundrum. They, it doesn't make sense. They're either, well, you just can't have a whole bunch of priorities. Either one has priority or or it's a secondary thing. My encouragement to you is this. Where God has us at the moment right now, I believe that God has set you free. You are free. But whether you choose to go back and to forge your land, come back to the, come to the place of promise that God has for you, or remain in a place where you're not moving forward and you're not moving back, one of the things you find is that those that chose to stay ended up becoming, having a whole bunch of problems of their own. So whether you stay where you are, whether you move forward or whether you move backwards, there will be something happening around your life. My encouragement to you today is this. I wonder where you'll be held in captivity somewhere in your life. Where is your soul? Where are your affections? Where has your mind? What has indoctrinated you? And I'm going to get into this next week because it'll, it'll help unpack you why you remain in a place of captivity. But my, the first point today I want to do is, is suggest to you, where are you stagnant in your life? Where are the possible competing commitments? You're committed to going forward, but you're also committed to not wanting to break a relationship over here. You'll find that where people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to open it up entirely right now, but this is a big reason that people will not move forward and remain in captivity. Same thing with Babylon. They, they, they wanted to go back to the land of promise, but yet they really enjoyed where they were. Their mind was connected to the, where they were. Their soul was connected. They got emotionally entangled where they were. 
And those emotional entanglements, those, those ways of thinking will keep you in a place of captivity. Even churches, church denominations, when they get so focused on their franchise or their particular movement, it brings them into a place of captivity. They profess to know Jesus, and many of them experience, I'm not bagging them or anything like that, but they can become so narrow-minded. When a move of God comes, they're so caught up doing their own thing that when an apostle comes, yeah, we kind of want that, but yeah, we're focused on this. You'd be surprised how many people, how many churches can experience freedom been offered freedom, offered a new dimension, offered a new space to live in, and offered a new dimension to inherit, but yet choose to remain in a place of narrow-mindedness, choose to remain in a place of competing commitments, choose not to let go what they're committed to in their heart over here. I wonder what would be holding you captive in your heart today. Only you know, only the Lord can tell you, I mean, if I had time with you, we could unpack that, but you could find that somewhere, if your life is not moving forward, you will find that there is a competing commitment somewhere. You're a good person, love Jesus, all of that, wonderful. But yet there is something in your heart. Even the Bible, I think, and the New Testament speaks, uh, uh, Paul said, you're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. It's not the pastor, it's not myself or Pastor Mike or anyone like that that's stopping people coming forward. That's, that's why I'm here but it's your affections, what you're connected to, your, the, the, the connection to your offense, the connection to the injustice of your father, the injustice of this, the injustice of how life didn't work out for you in a particular way. People get caught onto that, and they just can't let that go. And the fact that you can't let it go will keep you in a place of confinement. And people still hold on to how badly they were treated or how badly their uncle was treated or how badly their uncle's dog was treated, whatever. You get the point. I did all these things for you, Lord, but then all this bad stuff that happened, I lost this and I lost that. You get held into your offense. Your offense could be anything. It's a stumbling block. I just preached on it the other week. The fact that you, if you can get over that, you find that your life will come up to a new dimension of living. Many became so babylonized, they were free to go, but they became culturalized, remained in a place of activity. One of the things that you find is this, that some must have, even though they must have become very, very wealthy, they were living in captivity, but yet became wealthy. How do you know? How do I know this? Is when, so when the people started to go back, you'll find that, that the scripture says that people, the Jews who were in Babylon, some offered, some offered resources. You don't offer resources when you don't have an abundance. So some, even though they're in captivity, were wealthy and were able to provide, but yet they remained in a place of captivity. Their wealth kept them in a place, but yet they were good-hearted and helped the people on their journey. Sometimes your people's wealth will keep them in a place of captivity. Their businesses will keep them in a place of captivity. Who's running who? A lot of business people have spoken to you, asked the question, who's running who? Is the business running you or are you running the business? Who's wagging who here? It makes a big difference. Some of the choose chose not to return because of the work it would take to rebuild the nation. Friends, I want to encourage you, though, the work that's in front of us as a church is big. I'm certainly not going to deny that. 
what God has for us. It's wonderful. It's awesome. But it's going to take work. It'll take the commitment of people to lay down things over here and to pick up tools over here. It'll require people to make the journey of discipleship. It'll take the, take, require people to make that journey to a, a, to the, back to their own land. and start, it'll make, It's not just about building a house. It's about rebuilding a city and the whole walk. It's much bigger than that. But it's all worth it. So some people, when they see the... They start to understand what it's going to take to inherit this land. It's not just going to always just open up for you. You've got to work into it. The church just doesn't just grow by itself. People don't just mature by themselves. People don't come into maturity just by themselves. It takes getting inside people's lives. It takes spending time with people to help build the broken walls. The city with the broken down walls, the Bible says, is a person who has no rule over their own spirit is like a city with broken down walls. So those people that engage with people and helping them to start to restore their emotions, it's hard work. It's a hard job to, to even have conversations with some people that are emotionally broken. It's a hard job to start to rebuild people's lives who are completely shattered and broken down. It is hard work. They'll accuse you of all sorts of things. Being stroppy and argumentative and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes you think, why the heck? Why don't I just go fishing? Got a boat over there, I got a gun, I'm just going to enjoy myself. Stay in Babylon, you can just do whatever you want. No, but there's a, there's, a, there's a mahi to do, there's a work to do. There's a work that has been given to us as a body of Christ, not to just to come and entertain and but to bring hope into our community. It takes work. It takes a journey. You've got to walk it out. You've got to allow somebody to speak inside of your life. You've got to uh, allow somebody to lead you. You've got to put your hands to it. You've got to put your hands on the work. You've got to get involved. You've got to be involved serving somewhere. You've got to start to run a cell group and start to reach out to people and start to get involved in the prayer ministry, get involved in the worship team, get involved in, in the kids, get involved in the young kiddies out there, get involved in the kiddies out here. Get involved, put your hands on people's lives. Yeah. Oh, but I've got my own things I want to do. I want to stay home and worship the Lord. Fantastic. I love you. <laughs> but you're not going to be a leader with me. I'll tell you now, you're not. Leaders lead people. Leaders are involved with people. You're not going to be an elder without leading people. You're not going to be a pastor without having your hands on people's lives and helping them. It takes work. Another reason Jews wouldn't have returned back was concerned for their own personal safety. It was a hard road. I can tell you now, the road to get here ain't easy. I can tell you even Pastor Mike, the road to get to where he is today, it's not easy. Apostle Maldonado, the road he walked to get to where he is today, certainly not easy. He started out as a computer salesman, selling computer parts. <laughs> the road for there to becoming a world apostle today is not an easy road. There's a lot of dangers on that road. You've got people there that want to take you out. People accuse you of things. People will reject you. People will have a go at you. People will reject you. People will be angry with you. You'll upset people. People want to kill you. People want to hate you. People want to do all sorts of these things against you. It is not 
for the week. But it's up to you. You can choose to remain in your place of exile. Or you can join with us in the mahi, in the work, in the journey. People get burnt. People get cut along the way. But there's a very good reason why people do that. Let me talk to you a little, just briefly about that. Even all the positive things the Jews had of Babylon, there was always an insecure feeling about themselves. One of the things you find is exile or captivity always breeds insecurity. People who are captive always express insecurity. How do I know somebody's held in captive? Somebody's in exile in their heart? They're insecure. And it's not that hard to surface that insecure. Try changing something. Try putting a couch from there to there. <laughs> Try painting a wall. Try making an adjustment somewhere. I tell you, as a pastor, hell will break loose. You have no, no idea. When you start to, if people have an idea about this is, this is God, this is my spiritual life, try and compart, when people are insecure, they'll try and control their world. They can try and control relationships, try and control church, try and control God. When people have a sense of insecurity, when people are held captive in their heart, captive people are insecure. And it's not, that, it's not that hard to surface it. Like I said, you can make a couple of changes. Try speaking into somebody's life. Try, try shepherding somebody. Try discipling somebody. You'll soon find how insecure so many people are. Even the ones that come up and put their hands up and say, I love you, Jesus. <laughs> you start to confront the areas of rebellion inside of their heart, oh, you'll feel the fire. When God comes in the move of power, when people start to express and give praise to the Lord, everyone, whether people are insecure, got insecurities about God, will start to, I can tell you now, when the Holy Spirit starts to move, people that are insecure, people that are held in captive, they will all flush up. I can tell you now, you want to see the complaints, oh, I only had one or two, but people that, we have Apostle Maldonado here, people, I tell you that stuff came to the surface. People with insecurities in their life, people that, Held captive, life fell apart. When people's lives fall apart, when, when, you, when you get to the point of their, their wall of control, when you start to get there, you'll, that's where you'll find the reaction. People are okay when you operate inside their expectations or their realm of security. People are okay there. People are okay when you're not moving in the power of God. People are not okay when you must start moving outside of that. People are not okay when you start to speak into their hearts. People are not okay there. But over here, they're all right. <laughs> but that's your place of captivity. When you start to get all upset about something, when you start to, start to complain about something, when you start to grizzle, when you start to have an angry outburst, when you start to say, I want to quit, when you start to say, Whatever you want to say. When you start, whenever, you, you know, you've, you've all heard it before. You've heard when somebody blows their lid or does something and you think, oh, you know right then that they've hit their ball. 
How can you tell somebody, how can you measure capacity? Well, what it takes to break you. You can tell when water starts to hit its capacity because it starts to boil. We find that when people start to hit the capacity of their realms of security, that's the point where they'll start to fall apart or things will start to melt down. But that's the place where God wants to come and speak. That's the place where God wants to extend you out a little bit further. That's why he said, let them extend that part of your life where you just feel secure. <laughs> you think we know all there is to know about God? Absolutely not. God's got so much more. What God has for us. Much of the church has forgotten where you've come from and who gave it to you. We are the family of El Shaddai, God Almighty. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. God who rules over heavens and the earth. The God who rules the cattle of a thousand hills. The God who owns all of that. The God who can say, move from there to there, and it's moved. Never forget the land that God gave you. Some people were born in captivity. They didn't know anything else. Somebody had to tell them somewhere that God has got a better plan for you. God has got a, a land for you to fill. God has got a space for you to fill. Know who you are and where you've come from. You are a daughter. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of the Christ the Most High. That's who we are. Let's not settle for second best. Let's not settle for captivity. Let's not settle for uh, become satisfied where we are. Let's not pay, make peace with a culture that directly opposes God. doesn't matter whether they open the Bible or not. There are some people today, there are some churches, they will preach from the Scripture on one hand, but on the other hand, they will directly oppose God. Let's not forget who we are and where we've come from. No matter how enticing and uncomfortable it may be, while we may be good at the, I believe as a church, while we may be good at the deliverance part, the church is great at that. A lot of people come for deliverance. One of the things I believe we need to grow in is getting people out of captivity. Captive people hold other people captive. Until somebody makes a decision. Somebody makes a decision. We're not going to be satisfied with living at this level of generosity. We're going to give it a bit further. I'm, going to, I'm not going to be satisfied at, at living at this level of faith. We're going to push it a bit further. We're not going to be satisfied at just living at 300 people. We're going to push for 2,000 people. We're not satisfied just to live. We're not just satisfied to just exist in this place and then die. Never fully discovering who you are in God. For some people today, you're just living in a place. You're entertaining the, the very thing that's holding you captive. You've lost sight of eternity. Maybe you're caught, so caught on just coming to church or just doing your business or just whatever, whatever you've got caught up on. You've lost sight that you serve. God Almighty, how should I? He's a spirit. He's beyond what you can think or imagine. His power is beyond what you can ever imagine. His love is deeper than you can imagine. His mercy is his wider, His grace is powerful. Why settle for just where you are? Why settle and just stay there? Why not put your hand to the work? Why not put your hand? Let me tell you why. Because people forget 
that you're an eternal being and one day you will step into an eternity and there'll be a reward. The Bible speaks of eternal rewards. They're not just handouts just for being a good person. They're awarded. You don't get rewarded for just turning up. You get rewarded for putting your, your hand to the mahi, for doing the mahi. You get rewarded for putting your hands on people's lives. You'll get rewarded in eternity for putting your hands on those kids out there. You'll get rewarded for picking up the new people. You'll get rewarded for running a cell group. You'll get rewarded for, for on the visitors' lounge. You'll get rewarded. You'll just get rewarded for putting your hand to the mahi, putting your hand to the plow. No matter how comfortable we are right now, let's not be settled. Let's not get settled in this place right now. Let's not be settled. Don't settle where you are. Don't settle. Don't settle on what you've come into an agreement with. God has called us to a life that is not just cruisy, void of any sacrifice, commitment, or discipline. No prayer or fasting. Living according to popular opinions or our own rebellion, our own opinions our own ideas on God, living in unbelief and rebellion, living in a place of independence. You can live that way and you'll have whatever reward on earth you'll have for doing that. But when you come into an eternity, one day you will. I know people right now, they're knocking on heaven's door right now. And they will step into an eternity. Don't lose sight of what God has for us, both here and eternity. Don't be blinded by other people's beliefs. Don't be blinded by other people's opinions about what God is. I've got no idea. I've been a pastor for years and I've still got hardly any idea of really who God is. He's bigger than everything. The life that Jesus has called to us call us to live as eternal rewards and they are specific I encourage you with this last one here the New Testament speaks of five crowns that will be rewarded or earned the first one and this is the only one I'm going to talk about today this is it it's the incorruptible crown 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 do you not know that those who run a race all run but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you will obtain it. Live your life in such a way that you will obtain the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is disciplined in all things. They're not opinionated about this, that, the other thing. They're not here and there and everywhere. They're disciplined. They're committed to it. But they do it to attain a corruptible crown. But we do it for an incorruptible crown. Therefore, I run not with uncertainty. I fight not as one who beats the air. But I bring my discipline, my body. Not just my physical body. But I bring my whole life into a place of subjection. I bring it into a place of alignment. I bring it into a place of discipline. I bring it into a place of submission to somebody. Jesus, that after by any means, after by which I've pre preached this and that, 
at least I've been disqualified from the prize. So many people today will be disqualified, I believe, because they're not living. They've remained in a place of captivity. They've remained in a place where they've got competing commitments. Make a decision today. There is an eternal reward ahead for you. Some people are competing for a perishable crown. They just want to be liked on Facebook. They want their spiritual posts to be liked and shared around the world. (laughs) There you can have that. But there is a reward for people who are prepared to do the journey. There is a reward for people that are prepared to commit their life to prayer. There's a lot. There's this particular crown, the the, the, the uh, incorruptible crown, is specifically for people who will dedicate their lives to allowing their lives to be disciplined. In other words, letting go some of these things that hold you back. Letting go the competing commitments. Letting go the competing commitments of Babylon. Letting go the things that entice your soul. It's about committing to prayer, committing to doing the mahi. You won't get it by putting posts on Facebook. It won't work. You actually got to get your hands on people's lives. That's a different reward. But I want you to commit today. Why don't you commit today? Make a decision. Fix your eyes upon eternity. Make a decision today to break off your life, whatever competing commitment is there. Wherever you've been held in captivity. If you're made in it, if you're in a place where you're just not moving forward or not moving back, that is a clear indicator today that somewhere, somewhere has got you in captivity. If you're insecure, it doesn't take much for you to flush up and to get all stroppy and to start shouting or get controlling or manipulating or do all these things. You'll be in a place of captivity. Why don't you make a decision today? Make a decision today. Make a decision tomorrow and make a decision the next day that your life is going to count for something eternal. Make a decision today that you're not going to just settle for where you are right now. Make a decision today that you're going to be prepared to walk the journey, to run the race, to fight that fight that God has for you. There is a land so much greater for us to inherit, not just for us, but our kids and our kids' kids. This is why I do what I do. Many people have just got their eyes on a corruptible crown, your business, your house possessions, your title, your whatever it is, one day it'll just go. And you'll be left with nothing except what you've built for eternity. Even your church is going to go. Building one day will fall down or something will happen and the next thing it's gone. But it's what you've built into people's lives. It's the life that you've built in the inside with Christ. It's letting go some of those things that they hold you captive. What relationships do you need to let go of? Be careful on that one. What things in your emotions are you hooked back to into the past that are holding you captive? What injustices are you still hooked on to? What is holding you captive today? Why don't you make a decision? Come before the Lord during the week. Come before His presence. Lord, open my eyes. Show me where I'm held captive. This is the reason Jesus came, to set it free those who are held captive.
Why don't you just close your eyes and just bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to set us free. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the freedom of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the eternal rewards that lie ahead for us. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us a land for us to inherit, giving us a space in this world for us to inherit and to fill and to bring alive. Lord, today we come before you, we come before your mighty presence. We come before you, El Shaddai, God Almighty. Amen. Come before you, King of the universe. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We ask today, Holy Spirit, that you come, Spirit of truth, show us in our lives today. Where we're in bondage, show us today, Holy Spirit, where we've been held captive. Show us, Holy Spirit, I pray today. Where there's committing commitments, where there's things in our heart that we're attached to. Help us, Holy Spirit, today to fix our eyes upon the eternal. Help us run the race that you've called us to race. Help us to run that race, Lord Jesus, today. Father, I pray for those that don't know you right now. I pray for those that are held in bondage. I thank you, Jesus. This is the reason that you came. It's not just to sing entertaining songs, but to get into people's lives and to set them free. Amen. To bring salvation, to bring deliverance. Friend, I want to ask you a question today. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you have never, ever invited him into your life. Today, you could receive him. You could receive his presence. You could receive his spirit into your life. A life without Jesus, my goodness, nothing. doesn't matter what you've got in your life. It doesn't matter what material possessions. A life without Jesus is empty. A life without Jesus, you're open to being all sorts of bondage. Why don't you make a decision today? If you do not know Jesus Christ, open your heart. You may have even been raised in a church, but you have not invited Jesus Christ into your heart. You may know all about God in your head. You may know about Jesus in your head, but you've never felt His presence in your life. You've never invited Him to be your personal Lord and Savior. Friend, you can make a decision today to invite him into your heart. You can make a decision today to follow him. You can make a decision today to follow Jesus. You can make a decision to entrust your life into his hands. As you do that, your life will never, ever be the same. I promise you today, if you would trust your life into his hands and become a disciple, become a follower, a believer of Jesus, your life will never be the same. God could take a floor sander. <laughs> right, B? Use them powerfully. God could take a science teacher. God could take a computer salesman. God could take a broken, beat-up person. If they're just willing to follow Jesus, make something beautiful out of their lives. Fred, if you don't know Jesus today, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, why don't today you make a decision right now? I want you just to put your hand up. 
you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, why don't you make a decision today? Raise your hand. Say, I want to follow you, Jesus. Thank you. Is there someone else that will want to make a decision to follow Jesus? Thank you. Someone else want to make a decision to follow Jesus today? Come on, don't sit on the fence. I know there'll be things in your heart that want to hold you back. Don't make, don't let that thing hold you back. Make a decision to follow Jesus. I'd love us all to stand on our feet right now. For those of you that have just responded, oh, I'd love for you just to come to the front. I'd love to pray for you. Come on, why don't you just come? Oh, welcome. What's your name? Nice to have you here. Thank you so much. Is there somebody else? Somebody else you need to respond. Over here. Thank you. Become a disciple, become a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're sitting on the fence. Make a decision today. Make a decision today. Young people, old people, whatever. Yeah. Wherever you are. Music team, you need to make a decision. <laughs> I'll get you later. Thank you so much for responding. What I'd love you to do is just want to, want you to pray. I want you to pray from the bottom of your heart. God is a spirit. The way we respond is when we come to him is by faith. So if you pray with me, we're all going to pray together. I'm going to be the loudest. We're going to all pray together. And I want you to, in your heart, to pray with a prayer of faith that he will hear you. Amen. And as you pray, the spirit will come and touch your life. And your life will never, ever be the same again. Amen. Follow him every day. Allow your life to be touched. Allow your life to be life will never be the same. So in church, we're all going to pray this prayer together. Amen. You can pray with me. I'm going to pray this prayer. You follow me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I've sinned and gone my own way. I've sinned and gone my own way. But today, Jesus, I come to you. Today, Jesus, I come to you. I bring you my life. I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus. That you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Today, Jesus, I bring you my sin. Today, Jesus, I bring you my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your mercy over my life. I ask for your mercy over my life. Lord, I trust you to do it today. Lord, I trust you to do it today. Today, Lord Jesus. Today, Lord Jesus. I entrust my life into your hands. I trust my life into your hands. I receive your free gift of eternal life. I receive your free gift of eternal life. And I choose to follow you rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Let me just pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for my sister. Lord, let your presence touch your life today in Jesus' name. Lord, let your love come and touch your heart right now in the name of Jesus. Father, today I break off every oppressive spirit that would come and torment her today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just release your hand of blessing over her life right now. Call her forth as the woman of God that you've called her to be. Touch your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for my sister. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that your presence would just come and bring healing into her life. Lord, that you bring restoration into her soul. Lord, that you bring hope into her life again. Lord, whether she's felt that all hope has been lost, I pray today, 
Lord, that you'd restore hope inside of her life. I thank you today, even right now, as you've forgiven all of her sins. I pray right now, Lord, that you should experience new seeds of joy in her life, a joy that only that you can give. I pray today in Jesus' name. Lord, where there's been sadness in her life, where there's been grief, where there's been loss and pain, I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do what you do best. And Lord, that you turn around her life. Lord, I pray today that you would turn around her ashes and make beauty in Jesus' name. I pray today that you would take her sorrows and create joy in Jesus' name. Father, I bless her. I bless her life Amen. today in the name of Jesus. I call her forth as the woman that you've called her to be in Jesus' name. Touch your Holy Spirit, I pray right now. Amen. Lord loves you. He loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what's happened to you. He loves you. He loves you. Today you need to know this, that your sins are forgiven. He remembers them no more. The guilt, the shame, you don't need to carry that anymore. It's gone. You're a new person. You are a new person.